Welcome to the Outer Realms with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 FM in the beautiful city of New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. So thank you, Folgers. We appreciate you so very much. Also, big thank you to Justin Snicker, Dr. Snick, a.k.a. the Sonic Surgeon, for his contribution of his music and his voice for our intro and outro. He's an award-winning composer of Halloween horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can't be found anywhere that good music can be found. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, big thank you for our amazing artwork. That goes to Steve McGinnis, an amazing artist, does a lot of custom stuff, people. Check him out on Facebook. So tonight, we welcome, for the very first time, John, and I'm like, God, I'm hoping I'm not pulverizing this, John Kachuba. I hope I said that right. For the very first time, and he's going to be discussing his book, Shapeshifters, A History. So I've always been curious about that, and I'm really looking forward to uh, what he's got to say about it. Um, in order to participate with all of us, you're going to have to head over to the usual, um, which is, let's let's chime them off. That's going to be YouTube, UFO Gods and Extraterrestrials, UFO Paranormal Radio, Outer Realm Radio. Uh, then we get over to Facebook, News on the Flip Side, UFO Paranormal Radio, United Public Radio, The Outer Realm, Canada's Most Haunted, and... Joe Montaldo, UFO Undercover. So that is where you guys can chime in. And if you like it, come on, show us some support, subscribe, join, like, follow, whatever the case may be. Just uh, show us some support. We bring you some amazing entertainment and some amazing guests. And uh, we have a really good lineup coming up over the next couple of months. And <coughs> already, me, sorry. 2023 is already booking. So we can see everyone's in the chat room slowly chiming in. Dolly, wow, where you been? <laughs> and Preston's just keeping you working overtime. Zach, man. <laughs> <laughs> Wowzers. So, Bubbly Boo, how are you? Oh. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> 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 are you sure? <laughs> oh, I just, it's like it's not even winter yet, and you're fighting with the damn cold for. And you still have to move on. So, it's you know, just, it's just a cold. That's all I keep telling myself. We're damn champions. That's why we're both sick. We're both here. We're both, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm excited yeah. to be here. I mean, if I'm going to be sick, I might as well be having fun. But it's just, yeah. I haven't seen a cold in three years. So it's a little, it's a little weird. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot what it feels like. You can't you can't count the C thingy. That's just a whole other 
animal in itself. So just, yeah, it's, I know. It's actually kind of nice to have just a standard cold, you know, it's, even if it hangs on for life. Oh, it's so hilarious. I called my doctor because I, I needed something refilled and I'm like, okay, so like this cold, <laughs> like I'm going on like 16 days now. Yeah. And, and uh, all I get back is, you know, colds linger, right? And I'm like, what forever <laughs> i forgot i forgot it takes time it takes time it and the more you do while you have it the longer oh, it's gonna take. well then it's probably gonna be here for about a month because my life isn't stopping anytime soon but no, yeah whatever welcome the fall i think it's the crazy weather and mm -hmm. uh, you know mm -hmm. it's freezing today and it's supposed to be hot this weekend it's 27 so, with dolly yeah it's <laughs> it's 27 yeah yeah, so it's like 27, mm. like 27 Celsius. No, she's in Georgia, so that's probably, uh, yeah, but less. maybe she changed it for us or 27, well, like below zero. It's it's under <laughs> 32. No, 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 like meaning it's 27 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit, which would be below zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not that. I'm guessing she's she changed it to celsius and it's really damn hot down there but um <clears throat> it's freezing here we have the same tempers going on as as um upstate new york it's pretty cold it's cold for now but it's gonna it's warm up on the weekend this is a good thing this is a good thing yeah um do we want to read a bio because i am I yeah am, see yeah, she, she had says, it in yeah, celsius. celsius yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> i love you Tommy. <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> I love you. I love you so much, but that was not nice. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Okay. I do love her. <laughs> I am I've fired this off. We're waiting for a guest. So Okay, I will read what I have here ready. Yes. I actually sent it to myself. Yes. Oh. John Kachuba is the <laughs> and I'm praying we're not butchering his name. John Kajuba is the award-winning author of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. His most recent work, Shapeshifters, A History, was published in June 2019 and was a finalist in the Horror Writers Association Bram Stoker Award. Pretty impressive. John holds MA degrees in creative writing. He is a frequent speaker at conferences, universities, and libraries, as well as on podcasts, radio, and television. So are we ready? Waiting. Waiting. Yay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and here he is. Hello. <laughs> How are Hi. You? Hi, ladies. Hello. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you both doing? Well, we're, good. we're both sick. We're, we're yeah, okay. but we're, we're good. We're excited. We're good. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're going to be a little giddy. So this might be just extra entertainment for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. There we go. So, wow. You know, all these years we've been like Facebook friends and, and I, you know, you never get to see anything in the stream, like, like social media, the whole platform just yeah. keeps you from seeing the majority of your friends. Yeah. And then right. all of a sudden you come up and this book, I'm like, how the heck did I miss all this? <laughs> it's like nobody lets me see anything. So no. I've been super excited about this um, because it's just one of those things that I've always been very intrigued with. Um, 
when you talk about shapeshifters because a lot of people believe it's the being or entity or individual in question which projects how they want you to see them not so much that this can actually happen and it's you know i'm sure it's like that in some cases but there's a lot of folklore that comes from the old world that's made its way into this side of the world and it's really not at all like that is it yeah you're exactly right i mean for for the book shapeshifters i was actually in seven different countries throughout europe um, wow. i was in western europe i was in france italy portugal then i went to the eastern part uh, eastern europe and i was actually i was in belarus uh, Ukraine, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Romania. And the sad thing is that was like 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I watch the news from Ukraine now and I'm looking at these cities and said, I was there yeah. years ago now. And I'm Ukrainian American as well. So. Yeah, it's difficult. Sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It, yeah. It's got to be hard. It's just a mess. But 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 to your point. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I found out was that. Um, yeah, when we think of shapeshifters, we think of sort of the uh, quintessential, you know, the werewolf and mm -hmm. the vampire, where somebody physically changes form, right? Mm -hmm. like this monster of some kind. Mm -hmm. But what I discovered in my research was that in cultures all around the world, uh, almost every culture has some kind of a shapeshifter character in it, if not mm -hmm. if not several. Mm -hmm. um, and and frequently it's it's not so much that there's actually this sort of physical monstrous kind of transformation as much as it's more an internal sort of psychological change. No. Um, but to your point also, it allows whoever can do this, <laughs> it right. allows them sort of the ability to make people think and see what they're not really seeing or really thinking. Mm. Uh, no, it's, they, they sort of create this image. Um, right. There's a great example. There's a there's a guy in Ohio here where I live, and his name actually is Guy. So when I say Guy, it's Guy. It's for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Guy Savelli. Oh, so he's a Do you know? I don't know if you know this guy, but um, no, I'm just saying, saying he's Italian, so he's Guy. He's Gaetano. Sorry. Gaetano. <laughs> it's just like yeah, yeah. It's a that's a tough one just to. to pronounce right yeah. my, my other half is sicilian so i, I get it i'm married to a sicilian good lord okay <laughs> yeah uh, you have great Giannico cookies Gallardo in uh, my grandfather's my mother's side. nice but, so so guy was um he's this master of a, a rare form of martial arts but he mm -hmm. also does this mind control thing and he's worked with like the navy seals and different special ops groups military things <sighs> And you may remember there was a book years ago, and I might mess up the title, but it's something like Men That Stare at Goats. And Men That Stare at Goats. There's, there's, there's a film. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. a movie. Right. Exactly. Yes. It's about the power of your mind to literally yes. do things. Yeah. And, and Guy was the person who was in part of these studies. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had okay. said that from 50 yards away, he was in an enclosed room, and they literally had a goat out in the meadow somewhere 50 yards away and mm -hmm. he would concentrate on it and think about it next thing you know the goat went just fell over knocked it out right wow yeah didn't kill it just knocked it out but we're, so so guy does this martial arts stuff and he has students he teaches them and one of his students told me this story that he said he and guy were in a bar 
um, just, you know, hanging out, having a drink after class or whatever. And some guy came up to a different guy. Different guy. A fellow <laughs> approached them. And this and this person was was drunk. And mm -hmm. he was drunk and he was obnoxious. And he was in Guy's face. He didn't know who Guy was, but just like, hey, buddy, you know, whatever it was, just typical drunk. Mm -hmm. The guy just stood up. And he looked at him, you know, and the student was standing there watching this. And he's thinking, oh, man, there's going to be this fight because this drunk is in his face. And he was a big, burly guy, you know. Mm -hmm. the student says, well, next thing I know, I'm looking at Guy. And he said, I don't know how to explain it. He said, but Guy's face just, just changed. And he mm -hmm. said, instead of looking at Guy, he said, I was seeing like a tiger. Right? Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, the drunk, his eyes open up and he his face gets white and he just kind of backs off and goes okay okay and he walks off and that was it and next mm. thing you know he's saying to his butt to his student let's get another beer you know <laughs> so i said what was that about he said i don't know he said i don't know how to explain it he said there was some change that came over guy he said i saw it so going back to the original statement that you that you mentioned there uh, michelle is mm. was guy able to somehow project this idea that he was something different than just a normal mm -hmm. person, a human being. Wow. The idea of being a, a monster, an animal, something right. like that. Whatever yeah. it was, it looked, you know. Right. So, so I think right. that's part of shape-shifting, too. And it's something that you don't hear so much about. Mm -hmm. Because it's not fun to talk about somebody sprouting claws and fangs and hair. and It's all pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. We've already got comments and, and questions chiming in. And we will get to them, but I want I just want to give... Um, John, some time to to maybe get into it, and he may answer those questions as we go along. But I promise we will get back to the questions uh, for Steve and uh, Michael's comment, which I also think is a great one. I'd love to address. So, what made you decide then to to pick this this topic? I mean, I personally think it's fascinating. Um, but I find a lot of things really fascinating. <laughs> and this is just, I, I've spent time in Romania. So the whole werewolf thing and, yeah. you know, we all have, you know, our, our perspectives when it comes to that. And it's the one everybody thinks of first, right? Is the werewolf or in Michael's case, he's saying skinwalker, which right. is not yeah. far off. So I'm, we're just going to let you take it away. You'll notice like here that we're really open and it's kind of like round table, just go crazy. And every now and then we'll jump in. Okay, well, I, I started crazy, so we can continue to go crazy. All <laughs> right, let's just go crazy. I like it. So, um, well, so so your question, basically, what started this? Uh, two yeah. things. I've I've always, at least for the last several decades, I shouldn't say several decades. Well, yeah, I've been around several decades now, but the last couple of decades, at least, um, I've sort of been on this kind of a personal quest. Um, I don't mean it to sound like this big glorious no, it's, thing, but it's okay. It's um, Trying to find out sort of where I where I fit in the universe, where I fit among mm. existence. Uh, it's sort of a semi-religious, spiritual kind of quest. But within that, I've always believed in um, personal transformation. You know, and, and again, I'm not necessarily talking about sprouting fangs because I haven't done that at least in a week. You know, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I did that. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 you know, I do, um, I do believe that we are capable of change, you know, mm -hmm. and that everybody's capable of change. And that uh, I try to embrace change when I think it's coming because I don't know where it's going to end up. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So that's it's sort of in a way it's kind of shape shifting. If, if we go back to the idea of the psychological aspect of shape shifting, mm-hmm. we all do that throughout the course of our life. We take on different roles. We're different people at different parts mm-hmm. of times of our life. And that right. is shape shifting. So there's that. But then the second part of it was that, you know, my paranormal books that I that I started off with were all about ghosts and uh, and ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. And I have like five of those out. And I do a lot of public speaking at libraries and universities on shows like yours, you know, mm-hmm. podcasts, radio shows. Mm-hmm. And it's always been about ghosts. But I've noticed that frequently when I was in a live audience, um, you know, people would always tell me their stories afterwards. Like, oh, man, I had this great ghost story. But often I was hearing stories that to me didn't quite sound like a ghost when they were describing it. Um, because a lot of times they would say something like, yeah, I saw this figure, this misty figure, whatever, and then it changed and I, you know, changed to something else. And I'm starting to think, well, they're talking about shapeshifters. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it's sounding like to me. Mm-hmm. I started hearing more and more from people, just everyday people just tell me these things. So I started thinking, well, you know, there's something into it. And I, I just started looking into the idea of shapeshifters, just doing some, you know, crazy searches on the internet through libraries mm-hmm. books. And I just became fascinated with the idea that there are so many types um, and they go way back. Uh, mm-hmm. In the book, I talk about one of the earliest representations of a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. And it's a cave painting that goes back to the Neolithic times, you know, wow. prehistory, right? Prehistoric stuff. Wow. And it's, I, have the, uh, I have the picture of it in my book. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it looks basically like a, like a deer, a reindeer or something but it's standing up on its hind legs and it's got front legs kind of out. And if you look at the, the hooves, mm-hmm. the front and back, they're not hooves at all. They're, they're fingers. It's got fingers and toes. No. Now I don't know any deer that's got fingers and toes. No. Right? no. Um, the eyes on it too are forward like ours instead of being to the side. To the like deer. Yeah. So oh. what anthropologists, and it's got antlers. So what anthropologists believe is that this is a representation of a shaman who was doing basically shamanic magic. So if you can imagine, he's in a cave somewhere and he's got a group of hunters gathered around him. They're all going to go out on the hunt for deer or mm. whatever the animal was. Right. So he gets them in some kind of a, you know, chanting or they, they get, they get their energy worked up. They get into a kind mm. of a state. And at the same time, they're probably using some some hallucinogenics of some kind from the environment, you know, mushrooms. Mushrooms, yeah. yeah. Really, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, so what happens yeah. then is they literally start to believe that they're deer now too. So if you're a deer and you're trying to kill a deer, it's pretty easy if you're one just to walk up to one, right? Be one with the deer. Yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> right. You're okay. one with the deer. So, <laughs> so it seems like that, you know, I mean, again, did these hunters really change into deer? I'm going to bet probably not. But right. they certainly felt that they did. They certainly believed that they did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing, like, if you look at going back to some, <clears throat> maybe around the year 11, 1100, 10th century, 11th century, if you mm-hmm. look at the Icelandic countries, the mm-hmm. uh, Scandinavian countries, the warriors, the berserkers, um, berserkers, you know, we get our name berserk going crazy from these guys, from berserkers. That's where our word comes from. And they mm-hmm. were basically warriors that would 
break up into there was a bear clan, a wolf clan. I think there was some other kind, but they would literally wear the pelts of these animals when they mm -hmm. went into battle. And just like these ancient uh, cavemen, they too would take hallucinogenics. And so mm -hmm. they would put themselves in this frenzy, believing again that they were bears, that they were wolves, and they'd go into battle like that. Mm -hmm. And the kings, the various kings that were using them, used them as shock troops. They put them up front because they knew that they were just going to wreak havoc on the enemy and create all kinds of terror because they would be in this murderous rage because of the drugs and because of what they believed they had transformed into. Oh, like like berserkers sort of thing. Like Yeah, that's um, exactly what they were. Yeah, like just like they were just like spun. <laughs> yeah, you went crazy. And it got it was so bad that if you were an ally of these guys, when they went into battle, you made sure that you stood way behind them because mm -hmm. when they started swinging their swords and axes and whatever, yeah, whatever was in their path went down. They, oh, they're always they, in the front lines, right? Yeah. They yeah. Had no distinction. They just, they got to the point after a while where the various kings kind of made, you know, sort of informal treaties among each other. Okay. If we go to war again, none of us use berserkers. Okay. <laughs> they couldn't control them. They see red. It's how crazy. Yeah, they just see red, their tunnel vision, and it's just... Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. just the fact that when we talk about somebody going berserk, we really mm -hmm. mean going crazy, right? Going nuts. And that's yeah. what it came yeah. for real. Literally, off your top. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to put comments up as we're talking. That's all. We're going to get to the okay. questions. Steve, you've got great questions, too. We're just going to... We'll get there, I promise. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> Okay. So, yeah, I guess that would be, um, you know, that would be somewhat frightening to see um, these guys coming at you full on. Yeah. Well, know, yeah. And they went crazy. to, you know, and just the way they looked, I mean, physically, like I said, mm -hmm. they would wear the pelts. So if they're a bear, they'd wear a big bear skin. They had the bear head on top of their own. I mean, just looking at them, you'd say, ah, no, thanks. Oh. <laughs> right, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go get a coffee. I'll be back. <laughs> right, right. So, so if they were, the over. Sorry. sorry, if they were on ayahuasca, then they would perceive them as actual monsters, as right. actual right. transformations. Okay. Right. That and makes I a lot of sense. You, I think if you look at a lot of shapeshifters, especially in some indigenous cultures, um, there's frequently drugs, you know, natural occurring drugs being used mm. to put yourself in that kind of a state where you you believe that you've transformed. I talk yeah. about, um, in the book, I mentioned some of the Bushmen in the Kalahari in Africa. And they talk about how, uh, there's some interviews with these guys, and they talk about how they transform themselves into various African animals, you know, cheetahs, lions, tigers. And mm -hmm. it's the same thing. They say, yeah, I, I ingest this stuff, but I know that that's, that's how I bring out the animal. So they don't actually think that, how would I say it? They don't really feel like they're hallucinating or anything. They feel like they are actually truly mm -hmm. bringing out the animal that is truly inside them, but that right. this is how they do it through these, you know, hallucinogenic right. agents. Right. Right. It's craziness. Um, okay. It, so, I'm, before we get too far and um, down, I don't want to go too far up the list, but um, let's talk um, the North North American or indigenous people from around the world, because some of these questions are going to go based on that. And of course, Michael had put this one up. So, Skinwalker, um, yeah. Yeah. What are Hi, your Michael. thoughts on? Sorry, Amelia, go ahead. 
No, no, I just said hi, Michael <laughs> Skinwalker. I just said, what are you, what are you doing, my job? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on on skinwalkers? Because I know we've had reports up here, like anywhere from all throughout North America, Canada, United yeah. States. What yeah. are your thoughts? Do they fall into the shapeshifter or does something well, entirely different? Yeah, according, I mean, it depends on, in a lot of ways, it depends on who you're talking to. Um, you know, skinwalkers are an indigenous, um, you know, type, they are shapeshifters almost every culture. Mm -hmm. Just different cultures that look at them a little bit differently, you know, especially in the Southwest of America. Yeah, the mm -hmm. A people, the Navajo, um, right. uh, the Utes, you know, a lot of these different nations in the Southwest have a belief in a skinwalker. And for the most part, um, they consider a skinwalker to be a bruja, a witch, right. that, mm -hmm. that then transforms itself into usually something pretty murderous. <laughs> and frequently mm -hmm. it's like a coyote or a wolf or something along mm -hmm. those lines. Um, right. And and once they do that, I mean, their their whole intention is is evil. I, I mean, mm -hmm. if you summon a skinwalker or, you know, you want a skinwalker to go to work for you, basically what you're asking for probably is some type of um, revenge or vengeance on somebody or something, and the skinwalker will do it for you. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of these cultures believe that if you engage with a skinwalker to do something like that, mm -hmm. chances are he's going to come back at you as well. Right. Uh, which right. is actually one of the reasons why a lot of people uh, among the various nations don't don't even want to talk about a skinwalker. You know? I've seen interviews. You're right. They're very hesitant. Oh yeah, yeah. Because because for them, I mean, they really believe that it's out there, um, right. and in a way, they don't know who it could be or where. You know, so I'm not even going to talk. Right. About it. You know, just I'm, I don't want have anything to do with it. I won't even talk about it. It's um, it's kind of you, the way Catholic. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Good. No, I was gonna say it. I think you. I was gonna say it's kind of the way Catholics like look at demons in that sense, like real devout. Mm. It's you yeah. don't want to talk about it. You're afraid to call it in. That's right. what I've noticed when I watch because I do watch an indigenous channel that all they do is talk about spirits and it's all about hauntings and investigations. And I love seeing their culture and the way they, you mm -hmm. know, they deal and hearing the stories. Right. But mm -hmm. I gotta tell you, skinwalkers scare me. Yeah, well, they should. <laughs> yeah, they really scare me. They're similar to the to the Wendigo. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. So up more up in the northern part of um, America's got Wendigo. Canada, yeah, yeah. Like Minnesota, Wisconsin, and among the Cree people up in Canada and all that is mm -hmm. this Wendigo, which also is a shapeshifter, um, but it's a little bit different character. The Skinwalker. Let's see, how would I say? It's the skinwalker begins as a shaman. I mean, a living flesh and blood shaman. Mm -hmm. goes for the most part, most native people believe that it's a spirit mm -hmm. um, that was human at one time, but that is now a spirit that becomes a Wendigo. And frequently they say like suicides, people that commit suicides can become Wendigo. Mm. Uh, and, and the Wendigo almost, almost universally are cannibals which is a nice touch. <laughs> Let's add that. Sure, that's great. That's probably why I don't, I don't snow. I don't like doing, you know, going snowshoeing and stuff like that. Oh my gosh. So again, right. there are another, uh, there are another, there are, there are another bad, bad spirit you don't want to mess, you know, mess with. Uh, yeah. But 
yeah, and there's been, especially with skinwalkers, there's been sightings. I mean, there are people that, you know, truck drivers and everything else that are on these desert highways going through Arizona and New Mexico for you know, mm-hmm. eight miles, 800 miles or whatever. And they'll be looking out their window. They're driving 90 miles an hour and look out their window and there's some wolf loping around, you know, keeping pace with them. Um, and people have had that kind of sort of experience, um, you know, with mm. skinwalkers like that. That's interesting. A, a wolf loping. Um, we have experiences like that up here. They just look like long, um, lanky things with these long, lanky arms and the very thin and long, long snouts. But I would not have thought that was uh, fell into the skinwalker um, description. Well, that's that's like I say when when you hear about stories, especially from the southwest of America, it, it tends to be that kind of a, a kind of oh. a man. Well, I went running right up the street here just a few years ago. Really? <laughs> now I'm kind of like, shit. There's a lot of sightings there where yeah. she is. Yeah. yeah. But just I would like, not have thought that until you just said it. I'm like, shit, it's not what I thought it was. <laughs> so it's not dog, dog men? Is that, I'm learning about all of this. Yeah. Stuff. Well, yeah. Dog men are interesting, too. Um, and, and most of those, again, most of the reports, I don't know a whole lot about dog men because it's, it's kind of a, kind of a recent thing and there are reports mm-hmm. but not a lot mm-hmm. um, but they seem to also to come from sort of the upper midwest primarily um and i'm not sure why that's at least in the stories that i've heard it's right. been like minnesota wisconsin you know mm-hmm. um, they're the up Dakotas. here as well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but it, it's amazing because the dog men every description i've heard is that they have a human form but a dog head mm. you know, not that they turn oh. not that yeah, that's yeah. all I've ever heard is that they have a dog head, but a human form. Right. And I'm thinking I would not want to be the dog man that ends up with the head of a chihuahua. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Fierce little things that they are, but it would be a little awkward looking. Not too scary. You know? <laughs> um, before we get too far ahead, Steve's got two questions that you know, sure. pertain to Native Americans. So we'll start with this one. Hello, Steve White. Question is, is it more common for ancestors within the Native Americans to shapeshift? Ancestors within the Native American. I'm not sure I understand yeah, what ancestors is. Um, I mean, it's still it's still common. The belief is still there it's today. Part, part contemporary, two. you know, contemporary Indians. Yeah. Okay, he said the only reason I'm asking is I don't think it's too common for anyone to have the ability to shapeshift, but it is huge within a native within the Native Americans. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's right in that it's not a very common thing. Maybe that's maybe no. the question is commonality. That's why I was saying skinwalkers are frequently shamans, you know, for the most part, or, wow. or witches. They're not just mm-hmm. anybody. You know, so yeah. there, are, there are certain people that have that ability and how they have that ability. I, I have no idea, but it's, um, yeah, I guess that's the best way to look at it. You know, you consider them sorcerers or however you want to call it, but it would be a very small percentage for sure mm-hmm. of uh, people that have, would have that ability to shift yet the community, the Native American community, yeah, they would know that, yeah, there's mm-hmm. shapeshifters out there. Thank you, John. You're the first person to have explained that to me where I could actually grasp it, like understand more. So thank you for that. Um, Zach Mann says, on Navajo Nation here in Arizona, the Navajo won't talk to the outsiders about skinwalkers because they believe it'll attract them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I said, yeah. I mean, uh, exactly. Exactly. 
And Howie, Howie. You know, hi, Howie. <laughs> May I add this is very common belief among Saxons as well as the Celts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Hi, Howie. <laughs> are, are walkers or just shapeshifters? I wonder what he means. I, I think shapeshifters or walkers. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, uh, shapeshifters are in, are in every culture. It's just, there's all, I was amazed at the variety of shapeshifters. Um, I'm, you know, I go into this thinking, as I said, the quintessential, yeah, werewolf, vampire, skinwalkers, mm. you know, four or five that you can name right away. But wow. I've literally, and literally hundreds of different kinds of shapeshifters that mm -hmm. I, you know, some of them are just unbelievable. Right. Hello, yeah. Lynn Ann Bowling. I love Lynn Ann. Not sure what it exactly was. Had deer and other smaller animals. Oh, we're missing, we're missing the first part uh, of this. Oh, Her on, daughter right. saw something. There it is. Yeah, My daughter yeah, saw yeah. <laughs> it goes really fast. My daughter saw a possible shapeshifter at Flint Creek Ranch in Texas. It was crazy. And then That's thank you, true. Michelle. Not sure what it was exactly had deer and other smaller animals with it watching her group from the tree line. Uh, really? Um, that <laughs> description is very close to what she saw. Tall, white, long, skinny Amen. limbs. Huh. Wow. Well. Yeah, because they cut you off when you're writing, right? They only allow so many characters. Plus, we have something. eight different chat rooms all yeah. simultaneously funneling. Yeah. It's like it's like a super highway that comes down yeah. three lanes, you know. So, so, so we'll we'll get to the ET part of it um, soon. I promise. So, okay. So, um, I, I mean, up here in in canada because we do stream to new orleans but we're actually in canada mm -hmm. and we have what are called wolf people okay and these are full-on wolves that walk upright and there have been people who have given me these descriptions and they'll they report these these wolves just walking like normal animals normal wolves and all of a sudden they stop they get up and they walk uh -huh. And many reports. So I don't know. Are we talking? Is it, would that be a shapeshifter? Would that be a, a type of of cryptid or you know a dimensional being, an extraterrestrial? Like right, right. It's hard to say, right? I mean, uh, it could be a cryptid. I mean, we yeah. don't. If you don't see it actually transform, you can't say for sure it's a shapeshifter. Yeah. But, you know, wolves don't typically walk around on two legs, right? We know that. And that mm -hmm. reminds me of a story that's in my book from India. Okay. Uh, a, a, an area called Uttar Pradesh. It's kind of a big province in India. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm trying to think of the year. It was like maybe 1992. I mean, it's it's modern. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a story from the New York Times. They actually had a reporter up there because 33 children went missing over the course of a, a year or so from that area. Oh, wow. And when they found them, they were, you know, they were killed and mauled. Yeah. And oh. Well, there are wolves in that area. So people are thinking wolves. But to kill that many people, they got a little crazy. And in fact, some of the villagers started accusing other villagers of being, um, you know, shapeshifters and sorcerers and creating all this stuff. Oh and actually, God. there was some mob violence. They killed some innocent uh, oh, wow. villagers, you know, thinking they were doing it. So the Indian government actually called in the army and sent troops up there to put you know, calm things down. This is this is a true story that was all reported in the New York Times, and I trust oh that. Gosh. I trust that newspaper, right? But they mm. interviewed 
some of the people, the local people who had experienced this stuff. And there was one interview from a, a girl who was maybe 12 or 13. And she said that she saw her little brother, who was like three years old. She said, I saw him carried off by this thing. Now, you talked about wolf people. Well, they were calling them man wolves, not mm. wolf people. They're calling them man wolves. Man wolves. Okay. Yeah. And she said that this thing was like a big wolf, but it ran on two legs, like you're saying. It ran upright. And here's right. a, here's the crazy thing is that she saw this that it took her brother and threw it threw her brother over its shoulder and ran off on two legs carrying it like that. Well, that's that's more than a wolf. That's I mean, more than a wolf. You know, yeah. No wolf that, you know. That's a lot of strength. That's yeah. Well, that. it, was, it was crazy. Uh, and eventually, I mean, we don't it, the killings all stopped after a while and nobody really knows why they stopped. There was no there was no cause. I mean, they didn't find anything to cause this other than these children were killed and those witnesses saying that this is what they saw. Mm -hmm. um, her uncle, uh, the, this girl's uncle, who was also interviewed, she said, the government wants us to say that it was just wolves. But he said it wasn't, you know, mm -hmm. that's not what it was. He said they were men, man wolves. Yeah, that's, that's frightening. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's in our it's in our time period. Well, nineties, yeah. your period, my my period for sure. <laughs> right, right. No, that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's my time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I moved into Damn this it. house in '93. <laughs> I want to look that up. That is so crazy and so sad. Mm -hmm. That it makes sense that they turned on each other, though. It makes mm -hmm. sense, especially when you have that kind of belief in that. Oh my gosh, right. that's so it, scary right? for them. So, yeah. We've, yeah, we've certainly had mass hysteria, you know, witch trials, and it wouldn't be the first time that people went just had a little hysterical and went out on other people. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. So sad. Hi, Tamira. Tamara's our third host. Um, <laughs> what if they don't shift but project that image to others? Right, which is what we talked about mm -hmm. earlier before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a possibility that mm -hmm. there really is no physical transformation happening, but it's mm -hmm. like mind control. Mm -hmm. is projection, however you want to call it, you know, mm -hmm. magic. think of a magician, the stage magician, right? He makes you see things that aren't really happening, right? Or makes yeah. you believe things that aren't happening. He's floating through the air or something. Well, you know, he's, he can't possibly do it, but you're watching him do that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I mean, realistically, shape-shifting <clears throat> with projecting, again, we're assuming projecting, um, like when you, you look back to the gods, you look back to just ancient ancient history per se, there was a lot of talk of things like that. And I think, you know, we have to ask ourselves, is this something that's, you know, is this something that they were just projecting us to us as to how they want us to see us? Right. Extraterrestrial seems to, you know, can they again? That's a really big thing now, as we talk about shape shiftings. Are ET? Are they shape shifters, or are they just projecting how they want us to see them? Right, which makes sense because if they're—I mean—if you're trying to make whatever kind of contact you're trying to make with an alien race, us being the alien race as they're coming down, yeah, you have to somehow assimilate. Right, you can't—you can't appear with eight tentacles and 14 eyes and expect no. us to go, hey, would you like some coffee? 
<laughs> Folgers, please. <laughs> I'm just no, I mean, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, right. so it's very possible that uh, you know, I suppose aliens could be among us even now, and mm-hmm. I'm taking on that guy. Well, there's that reptilian alien shapeshifter theory from uh, David Icke in England. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly right. that. Yes, you know, that yes. these are reptiles. But you know, um, Michelle, to your point about gods, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because in the book. It, you know, it's subtitled A History. Well, it's it's history, but it's pop psychology. There's a lot of things mm. there besides this history. But I do talk about some of the ancients, like the Greeks and Roman societies. And if you look at, like the Greeks, for instance, Zeus is the number one god, right? He's the god of gods. He's the mm. supreme god. If you look at the Greek legends and like Ovid's Metamorphosis and all this stuff, the very title, Metamorphosis, mm. Zeus transforms himself into probably 12 or 13 or 14 different types of people or sometimes you know sometimes women sometimes men animals mm. um, he does this frequently throughout the Greek mythology mm. he does that it seems like every time he does it it's to um, I'll, I'll say this casually seduce <laughs> to, get, to get a date that's a technique. What makes sense though, I think about it for the longest time I thought, well, that was, you know, that's kind of a hard way to go to, you know, change yourself into a bull or something, just you know, I mean just but <laughs> it turns out, yeah, but it turns out that the reason for that is because in his true form as Supreme God. No human being would have been able to stand that. They couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't look at him. They, they, died. They, they could not even be in his presence because he was right. so, so magnificent, so right. um, overwhelming. Which mm-hmm. again, powerful. So he yeah. had to come down to some way that he mm-hmm. can relate. You know, right? I'm so right. not sure being a bull is the best way, but. You know. <laughs> Unless you're a bull. I mean, he also <laughs> transformed himself. Well, he also transformed himself into an ant at one point. So, right, I, I would do bull over ant. Oh, yeah, I think so. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, you think I about Ant Man. <laughs> <laughs> They did really well with his story. <laughs> I'm not making light of it. Like you think about it, they really Marvel took a lot from theology. So, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. But, they, uh, I mean, almost every almost every superhero, whether it's Marvel or DC or whoever they are, almost every one of them transforms, right? I mean, yeah. Superman, the old the guy has got a suit. Why is it going to a phone booth all the time? And take a <laughs> I think it's oh. because of it was the decency um, because of the times the time when it was written. Because yeah. actually, Superman was written by a Canadian, so right. I think that's what What's happened. It was like, yeah, and it was during the the war and and everything. So I think it was just like it's indecent to just you know change. <laughs> well. So it was a way of cover and a way of mystery. Like you know, he comes in. Um, Doctor Who uses a phone booth, but he travels, you know. So I think that's what that was. I I remember learning the heritage and the story of that in school, but I don't remember all of it. I think it had a lot to do with with the war. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he was actually he was on actually on a train going home when he when he wrote the story. I wish I knew the gentleman's name, but yeah, that it is amazing how they all transform. Yeah. And again, depending on 
what you're talking about transformation. I mean, how broadly we're using that definition, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Wonder Woman has to spin around. Oh, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had to say I met Linda Carter years ago, and I said, "Oh yeah, wow, okay." <laughs> oh, you know, she flies an invisible plane. I mean, come on, they knew about aliens before we did. <laughs> Think right. about it. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah, it's true. Cloaked. It's like a cloak, right? Mm -hmm. She flew an invisible plane, but you couldn't see her. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> They got all of these little things in there, inserted in there. Um, did you want me to read yeah, sure. Steve? Okay, Steve yeah. White. Hello, Steve again. Perhaps it was ancient aliens with somebody tonight, the Native Americans, on how to have the ability to shapeshift. Hmm. It was ancient <laughs> aliens with somebody taught sorry taught or tonight oh they taught it somebody they taught, taught sorry my eyesight. yeah they taught okay. it to the native americans i apologize yeah right so if we're you know if we look at that david ike's uh, story mm -hmm. about reptilian aliens coming to this planet according to him they came millions of years ago mm -hmm. before there was even you know homo sapiens i mean they would have been they came to the planet and apparently mated with whatever sort of proto-humans were running mm -hmm. around. Right. So it goes way back. If, you know, so yeah, they certainly. Anunnaki, Nephilim. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, wow. <laughs> being in, um, in Romania, were you ever, did you go to Brasov and where they talked about the story yeah. of on the full moon, how the wolves will come down on a full moon and walk among the courtyard? Oh, I did not hear that story. On the full moon. So, oh, and then when you go back to the, the, the lore, of course, on the full moon, when the wolf changes or people change, it's just, it's it's quite, uh, I found it to be quite interesting. When you were in Romania and you did some research there, uh, what type of folklore did you hear with respect to shapeshifters? Well, I was doing mostly the vampire. Oh, stuff. the vampires. I like that. Yeah, well, that's Because great. I mean, Dracula's home, right? It is. It is. Yeah. So I went to all the sites that were associated with uh, Vlad Tepes, you know, Vlad yes. the Impaler, who was the actual actual prince in the uh, right. Middle Ages that Bram Stoker, when he wrote Dracula, people think that that could have been a model for his Count Dracula mm -hmm. um, because Tepes has, if anybody knows about it, I mean, this guy was, you know, was bloodthirsty. I mean, he mm -hmm. killed thousands of people. Uh, enemies, enemy armies, as well as political dissidents, mm. um, by impaling them. You know, mm -hmm. it's, that's a tough way to go. But impalement was a sign of those times too. I mean, all over Europe, they were impaling. Yeah, right. And and I think I think in some ways that Vlad gets a bad rap because mm -hmm. he was yeah he was bloodthirsty, but I don't think he was more bloodthirsty than a whole lot of other medieval princes and hey, kings. He learned it yeah. from the Turks. He was <laughs> protecting his, he was protecting his right. village. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You know, because yeah, he was, he was sent to the, I mean, he spent his youth in the court of the, you know, Absolutely. Turks and watched what yeah. they were doing and said, Oh, that looks like fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it was all over Europe at the time. Yeah. So it's yeah. exactly. Uh, Adriana. Adrian, I loved, Adrian. I loved Hi, how, Adriana. Sorry. I loved, Go ahead, John. And I say I loved how um, you know so many people think that well he was like this vampire Vlad and everything else and legends grew up about him because of his mm. 
you know, bloodthirstiness, being a vampire. But I remember going to um, his burial site, mm -hmm. uh, his grave, supposedly. And I, had you ever, did you go out there at all to? Yeah, so yeah. it's this beautiful Monastery. little chapel yeah. on an island in the middle yeah. of a lake. It's a gorgeous setting. But it then is. you go out there and you stand by this grave in this chapel. Yeah. And then you realize that it's empty. I mean, it is. apparently in the 30s or something, anthropologists opened it up and there wasn't anybody in there. Which mm -hmm. makes you think like, okay, is he really a vampire? Is he like, that's <laughs> <the word?"> <laughs> I <laughs> know. Where is he? The allure <laughs> continues. <laughs> I mean, if you're not in your grave, um, you know. I know. Yeah, that Snagov Monastery is. It's very that is beautiful. beautiful. It's, it's, it's just, that was a great trip. Mm -hmm. Did you bring yeah. salt with you? I didn't. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> But I'm, they, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I'm done. I'm done. They, they do um, truly believe. I mean, a lot of the older culture, you know, they do believe that vampires were a thing. I tend to think, right. you know, okay, are they shape shifting, as you say? There's a lot of, even look at, you know, the Count Saint Germain out of New Orleans who went from France and, 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 Literally, I mean, he's hundreds of years old and his last scene, like I think it was the 80s in New Orleans. And, you know, is this somebody, how do you transcend time like that, even through shape-shifting? Because that gets you into a whole other, um, a whole other aspect of it. It's just beyond right. just shape-shifting. It's just like immortality, practically. Right. But they believe it. You know, a lot of, of ancient European people truly believe that right so. well, I, I did find in Romania um, besides going to the Dracula sites I spent some time in a small village in, in Transylvania mm. uh, my my church here in Cincinnati actually has a partner church in Transylvania in this oh, little very village nice. so we spent yeah. time with people and stuff and in talking to them mm -hmm. interesting because there is to your point there is still a belief among some of them in mm -hmm. these old ways and that, you know, vampires are a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, and I, found that I think it depends sort of on who you're talking to, because in Transylvania, a lot of the ethnic people, a lot of the people there are actually ethnic Hungarian, mm -hmm. not Romanian, because mm -hmm. one part it was part of Hungary. And actually there's this whole political sort of thing between Romanians and Hungarians in Romania. Mm -hmm. Hungarian mm -hmm. kids have to learn Romanian in the school. They can't, they can't be mm -hmm. taught Hungarian. There's a lot of discrimination. Mm -hmm. um, and so the panel who you're talking to there, it's interesting. The beliefs are, you know, the, the Hungarians kind of think of vampires as being more a Romanian thing because that's bad. The Romanians don't like them. The Romanians, I, I, it's weird, but it, it starts to become political and these things go back, you know, ethnic and political. So it's not mm -hmm. just, it's not just folklore. I mean, it enters into their everyday lives in some way. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's pretty fascinating. To, mm -hmm. to... It is. It is. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you, Steve White. Have a good night. <laughs> he needs to run out and get some talk. I, ga I gather you've been on my timeline on Facebook today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Steve. Thanks for participating. Always oh, getting Italian food. Ooh. Yeah. I take pictures when I cook. I'm terrible. But um, that's so sad how politics affects the folklore. And it's it's also funny, not funny in a ha-ha way, but funny how they, 
they're careful about what they accept as being theirs and mm-hmm. even with monsters it, it's um mm-hmm. it's incredible mm-hmm. oh, such history over there incredible rich history so let's get back to your book um you talk about many different types of shape-shifting let's talk about curses Hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Talk about curses. No, because you know, people that may not have a choice. Yeah. When they're found well, and right. a curse would be a non-choice. Exactly. And I do talk about I sort of I call them voluntary or involuntary shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. And so voluntary shapeshifters are like a vampire, let's say, who has that ability to just transform themselves. And there's a lot of voluntary shapeshifters, skinwalker, you know, people yeah. can actually just, people are beings, whatever, that had that power. But then mm-hmm. there's the involuntary ones, and they usually are a curse. I mean, you're exactly right. Uh, think mm-hmm. of all the fairy tales. Think of like Beauty and the Beast, for instance. Mm-hmm. A handsome prince who is this beast, mm-hmm. because it was, it was a witch that cursed him. Yeah. But then, of course, in all these fairy tales, it's always a beautiful young maiden <laughs> that rescues yeah. by saying, "I love you. I, I can see, you know, I can see your soul, and you're really a good person." Well, mm-hmm. that first, right, and he comes back as a prince. So mm-hmm. it's very common. Um, it's common in mythology and in fairy tales and folk tales that there's a curse involved in shape shifting, and there's different ways of of getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent some time in Portugal when I was doing research. Mm-hmm. An interesting shapeshifter there called a um, it's two words, a muris encantada, which yeah. literally translates out roughly in Portuguese to uh, an enchanted moor, you know, a, hmm. somebody, a, a Moorish, um, what do you call it, like an Ottoman, a moor from Africa, North Africa, because mm-hmm. they had Portugal as well as they had Spain for centuries. Right. And these were always, these were always women. They were young women and they were always rich. Uh, and the stories were always that their fathers left them behind in Portugal to guard their treasure while mm-hmm. they went back to the old country for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But that's a curse because their shape, they're, they're snakes. And they, oh. they guard the treasure as snakes. But this, this, the curse can be broken by a young guy. It's kind of the reverse thing. You know, right. here you have a, a cursed woman, right. uh, a beautiful young woman, rich. Look, let, we could say like a princess in a way, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's a young guy who would break the spell because the the uh, if he comes across this snake, which has a woman's head, by the way, snake body, woman's head, the mm-hmm. snake will ask them uh, to do something like, um, you know, um, wait for me here for a day. And you'll get all kinds of wonderful things. And if the guy waits or something, then the spells the spells lifted, and she becomes this beautiful woman. And the guy marries her, and they live happily ever after, and they're rich. Right. Um, there's always right. some kind of a, a you know a catch, a question, something, and it's usually very simple. And a lot of guys, the stories say nah, and, they, and so they leave, and this, this poor girl is still got a snake's body. And, and right. You know, but, yeah. 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 <laughs> That was a whole new story. I had no idea about that kind of a shapeshifter or whatever. That was totally like, okay, that's a new one. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the the European cultures have their their fair share of stories on 
you know, shape-shifting. They're such old cultures. And then, of course, you know, they move or relocate to this side of the world and all that comes with them. But I think we have our own. I mean, of course, primarily we have a lot of indigenous stories here mm -hmm. that seem to um, that seem to just keep growing. Like you know, I'm I don't know, I'm sick, so I'm foggy headed. But <laughs> but the, the Wendigo seems to be the big one on this this side of the world, I think. But we do have um, we talk about lycanthorps. Mm -hmm. Um, like full on, like what is your version of that? Like when you speak about that in your book, is this the total physical transformation? Teeth come out, hair comes out, bones are breaking. But you know what kind of a? And, and I mean, there are pictures that I have seen throughout North America, and it looks like it is a full on what we would call a werewolf or wolf man. Mm -hmm. So this is beyond like like wolf people, like skinwalkers. This is big muscular beings. Yeah. Full on head of a wolf, snout, everything. Well, so when I talk about werewolves, basically in the book, I, I talk about some of the historic examples of werewolf killings or or werewolf werewolf activity. And the big one I talk about is from France. Uh, the Beast of Gévaudan. And this okay. was like 18th century. Wow. And within the course of a year, it was like 1720-something, 1730. I'm not so sure. not that far back on the grand scheme of time. No, not at all. Not at okay. all. And okay. this was in southern France, um, the Midi area, and a lot of small villages. Hmm. And for about the course of a year, there was some kind of a, they called a beast. They didn't know what else to call it. There was a beast that hmm. was roaming through these small villages and killed over 100 people within the course of the year. Um, and it got to the point where, you know, the villagers, as you can imagine, were living in, in sheer terror. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, the king it was one of the Louis. I forgot which Louis. They all had numbers. So I don't know. <laughs> Louis the 84th, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, sent out the royal huntsman with a troop of you know soldiers to go down there to this area and try to find this thing. They had no luck. They killed something that was a pretty large wolf. And they came back, and they stuffed mm -hmm. it, and gave it to the king in Versailles, at the palace in Versailles. And he said, oh, you know, we got it now. He made this big proclamation. Everything's fine. We took care of everything. And then, of course, a week later, the killing started again. So they didn't mm -hmm. get it. Um, nobody really knows what it was, except that the accounts were always that it was some kind of a large canine thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the, the person that actually as far as we know, historically, finally killed it, was actually a local hunter named Jean Chastel. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to separate sort of legend from what he really wrote, but apparently he, let, he had a diary and he wrote some things about shooting this thing. And he described it as, again, like a canine, but a very large, mm -hmm. big canine. But he said that there was something strange about the appearance of it. And if you go back to my story about the cave painting, yeah, this is what he said. He said that there was something odd about the feet. And, and well, they're not feet and hands. It should be paws, right? But he didn't right. call them feet and hands. Right. He said they looked human. 
Uh, and again, the eyes too. He said the eyes were more like humans. So almost, almost identical to what this cave painting was. Also from France, by the way. I got to mm. remember Neolithic times. Wow. This thing sort of mirrored that, although it was a wolf rather than a deer, but those mm -hmm. same kind of features. But then there's also a legend that he killed it using silver bullets. Wow. You know, that's the old werewolf it's thing that came in later. I don't think that was true. But so once once he killed this thing, uh, the killing stopped, but it was over 100 people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what? so what was it? We don't know. And unfortunately, the, you know, no one knows really what happened to the cadaver once he once he shot this thing. Um, mm. It'd be nice if that had been preserved somewhere, you know. Could but there's know. a museum in one of the in, in these little small villages. There's a museum dedicated to the beast, and you can go in there, and it's got a diorama showing you the villagers and doing all this kind of stuff. And the bottom line is that people in that area still think that it was not just a wolf. They do think it was part human mm -hmm. in some way. Mm -hmm. So, so there's cases like that, and then the case in India that we talked about with these, yeah. women. but then there's also lycanthropy itself, right. you know, which is just a a medical condition, a weird. Well, I shouldn't say medical; is more as mental, psychological condition, mm -hmm. which people just believe that they've transformed themselves into wolves, and so they act mm -hmm. out that way. You know, they go around on all fours. They growl at people. They snap at people. They bite people. Um, but nothing's happened to them. You look at them; they're they're not growing hair. They're not sprouting fangs and claws. No, not like the movies, right? Or no, they're transferring no. and and no. making you into one. Not at all. But there's there were several cases in Germany and in France, probably in the 1500s, 1600s. Um, that I, I report in, in gruesome detail in the book, but yeah. about people who went out believing that they had transformed into wolves and, and killed other people, but literally with their bare hands and mm -hmm. ate them and, and savaged the bodies just like an animal would do. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the early days, like in the 16th century, when these people were caught, they were immediately executed, considered to be, you know, possessed by demons or witches or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, later on, a little, little more modern times, 16th century or so, they started locking them up, just realizing that these people were, you know, they weren't possessed or anything. They were just crazy, you know. Right. Uh, you know, right. But were, they, were they crazy? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you have a, a whole array of people behaving the same way you have to think maybe there's something in the water. <laughs> I don't know, but you know. No, I, 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 exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Sorry, Amelia. Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I was just thinking with a different kind of mind. Like I'm thinking, I wonder if some places they really didn't have anything, but people could have used it. Like leaders could have used that kind of fear and perhaps have people killed so that it looks like they come in as a hero back then. In those mm -hmm. times, it wouldn't be strange for something like that yeah. to happen, well, right? To say, "Oh, we have this issue too, and I'm I'm combating it, and you should have me as your leader." Yeah. I can see that going on, which mm -hmm. is really sad. But I mean, right. possibly well, it's, it's politics, right? There was there was a movie that I saw called called The Beast, um, mm -hmm. a French movie, and it was maybe ten years, twelve years old already. But the plot was interesting. It was the same thing, this beast of Gévaudan. But their their whole um, explanation in the movie 
was that people in France were losing interest in the Catholic Church, which was the state religion, right? Mm -hmm. And that they were just falling away from the church and becoming, you know, agnostic or atheist or whatever. And so <laughs> to get people back into the church, church leaders created this beast. What they did is they took this basically like a, a hyena or something from Africa mm -hmm. uh, and they had a, and it had a pup. And from the day one, when they had this pup, they trained it to be like an attack hyena. <laughs> mm, Jesus. <laughs> and they Which also, already is in its yeah. own nature. So imagine. Yeah. Right. And they outfitted it. They had like this, um, they made a suit for it. So it had like fangs and claws and like spikes and all this stuff. And they let it roam around, you know, killing people. And the reason was they were saying that it's be, this was God punishing all you people for dropping away from the church. If you come back to the church, you know, we can defeat this beast because it's a demon and all this kind of stuff. I mean, this was a far-fetched explanation. I had never, but it was made for a very interesting movie. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everything's yeah. based on a little bit of truth. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean I guess primitive primitive times I mean there's a big difference between I mean a hyena has a specific look about it but they're really aggressive uh animals altogether you know but, probably, but yeah yeah um okay so we're just gonna go off off track sure. Hello, because Dolly. We, yeah we were speaking ets a few minutes ago so i just want to address this one absolutely ets employ using psychic alternating of perception to avoid dangerous contact those who would do harm to them are deterred are deterred so so do you think then that some of these people who are shape-shifting or projecting that do you think it's maybe to protect themselves i think there's a reason for it and i i don't i think the reasons can be varied mm -hmm. but when i think of a shapeshifter well first of all when i think of the popularity of shapeshifters mm -hmm. the fact that they're in every culture that they go back like mm -hmm. i said at least in the neolithic period prehistory right. pre and here we are in 2022 talking about shapeshifters, and I just put a book out, and they're yeah. shaped their movies and books and TV characters and whatever. So they're mm -hmm. still very much with us. So I always ask the question, why? What mm -hmm. is it in that shapeshifter character mm -hmm. that appeals to us so much? Mm -hmm. And I think it's because the shapeshifter allows us to become something that we're not, or to fill in the gaps. Like say, maybe it's to protect ourselves. Maybe it's to make ourselves stronger, make ourselves wiser. You, you obtain some wisdom in a different form. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, I, I think in a way it's to make up for maybe something that we feel we are lacking mm -hmm. or something that we need. Like you say, maybe defense. Mm -hmm. right. and so I think that's why a shapeshifter character is out there. I mean, I think that's, I think that's why we still talk about it. Because mm -hmm. every one of us at some time in our life has said, like, I'm not I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not beautiful. Enough. You know, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
maybe maybe it's just me. Right. <laughs> I'm hoping other people can relate to this. I can relate. Yeah, absolutely. You go. I got you back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I, so I'm saying is, I think I think it's something about the human condition that the shapeshifter allows us to do. I mean, think of think of the novel, uh, you know, um, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, right? Mm -hmm. You have Doctor Jekyll who, despite his kind of weird sounding name, is really this great guy. He's very mm -hmm. moral. He's religious. He's, mm -hmm. he's a doctor. He takes care of people. He treats people. He's kind to people. That's his whole thing, life-saving. Mm -hmm. Yet despite all that, something in the back of his mind is saying, what if mm -hmm. I throw off all the bonds that hold me in check? What if I can throw off the law, my mm -hmm. morality, my sense of religion, Mm -hmm. um, all that. What if I can get rid of all that and just go, you know, run, run naked through the woods and howl at the moon? What would that be like? Mm -hmm. So there was that attraction to that dark side. And right. that's, that's Mr. Hyde, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going a little bit off, not so much, but I, I'm thinking that we all have, we're, we're animals. I mean, whether we like it or not, we are, we are animals. Primal. Think, yeah. 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 And I think for the most part, what, what keeps us in check and prevents us from going crazy are all the bonds that we put on, all the mm -hmm. bindings of religion and laws and morality and, and conscience. We, we put all that us on it, right? Mm -hmm. But there are people that can throw that stuff off and they become mm -hmm. monsters. And I don't necessarily mean physically, but they become Jeffrey Dahmers. They become um, Adolf Hitler's. They become, right. name it. I mean, mm -hmm. um, yeah. which is, which is sort of, uh, to me, that, that is kind of shape-shifting. So I think the shape-shifter has, I think what it offers us is two things. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be a positive. It's not always a negative thing. It could be positive because by transforming, like I say, you can transform into something better. Mm -hmm. get better knowledge. You can learn more about yourself, whatever. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it allows you vicariously, maybe, to sort of take a walk on the dark side, if you want, if you want to say that. Like, right. you know, you watch a shapeshifter movie or you read a book or something and you say, oh, would that be pretty cool? But you don't do it. <laughs> right, right, right. You, do it. you read Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but you don't say, boy, I'm going to be Mr. Hyde. Now. No, you say, oh, wow, okay, I get it. I don't want to do that. So, right. But it allows you to experience that sort of vicariously, almost like um, like a like a release of a pressure valve in a sense. Mm -hmm. Right. I think in a sense, us ladies are shapeshifters with our nails and our, our makeup and stuff like that. I just thought I'd put a lighter spin to this because I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, I, I agree with you. There is different perspectives on that. And why mm. can't it be real? I mean, it's so hard when, when someone says to me, do you believe in this or do you believe in that? I'm like, I talk to dead people. I'm the last one to judge whether or not someone else's <laughs> thoughts or perceptions are real or, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm, I believe that everything and anything can exist, mm -hmm. that our, our existence is in a very, very small space, a lot smaller Right. Then we realize when you look at vast oceans and forests and things like that, we don't know what's in there. Mm -hmm. We really don't. So mm -hmm. true enough. Here's a, a great comment. Yeah. Yes. Edgar Casey said the Atlanteans could change like shapeshifters when they first came here. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't either. 
No. She's a wealth of information, by the way, Tamara. <laughs> yeah. But again, we're getting into the, the ancient cultures. You know, mm -hmm. when you're dealing with the Atlanteans or the ancient Lemurians, they came with, you know, allegedly, because, you know, apparently I was there, but I don't remember. <laughs> but, you know, do you know you were in Atlantis in one life? Sure. And I remember it? No. But let's just say, for argument's sake, that they could the shapeshift, then, um, I mean, what kind of technology do they come? They were said to have, have been here with all kinds of advanced technology. Mm -hmm. So could it be a technology thing? That's interesting. I, I'm... I don't know. Medical technology, biotechnology. I mean, right? Yeah, because I mean they were both, you know, a lot of the ancient yeah. the ancient um races or ancient cultures like that were said to just supersede um, you know, the advanced technology. And some of it, you know, remains and some of it is lost, you know, forever. So and so sad. It's like we're going backwards instead of forwards. I know. Some, like, oh. <laughs> I, know. I know. You know, like technology. <laughs> mm -hmm. We should be so much further ahead than we really are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think it's humanity, it's greed mm -hmm. that we, we keep getting kind of two steps mm -hmm. forward and three steps back with this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a whole other show. <laughs> it is a curiosity. Is there something out there that can that can aid in in doing this? Let's face it. It's all over the world, like you say. All these ancient cultures. It goes back, you know, thousands of years, literally. So, mm -hmm. where where did it? I mean, you found what you believe is the the base where it all began with the deer. I, I'm not sure that it doesn't begin yeah. before that. Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Because, because, I mean, we go back like hundreds of millions of years. We're not the first kick of the can here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with the deer, I think that's sort of maybe kind of the first representation that we have because it, right. it's a cave painting. Um, yeah. But who knows how long that had been going on previous to that painting? It could have mm -hmm. been thousands of years who, who knows maybe there was a race of shapeshifters maybe what we see today are little snippets of dna that have just made their way through through time i guess well, i think you know? that's what david ike is saying that you know the 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 according to his you know his, his theory yeah, the original alien yeah. alien shapeshifters meeting mm -hmm. with whatever was on our planet did in fact create this strain of DNA with little shape-shifting gene attached to it somewhere, you know? Yeah, so, well, I I think you notice it a lot. Um, and again, with with David Icke, but how many people end up with their eyes that change? Or, you know, some will get slits in their eyes. Some will just have their eyes change colors. That's got to be a form of shifting, I would think. Sure, I, I would imagine so. You know, and, you know, I mean, think back to the reptilian theory after, though. Yeah. Yeah. With I mean, the slits. Yeah. My eyes change colors. I'm, I'm human. Yeah. <laughs> they do. Lenses, you know, new contact lenses. Yeah, see, there they go. <laughs> no, but, but people with green eyes um, are said to be able to go blue, let's say, or go like a slate or, you mm -hmm. know, their eyes can change colors. Right. Um, but I don't know. 
know. Again, we're getting into, as so Jennifer says, maybe getting into um, shape shifting, again, ability to cope and shift. Yeah. Hi, Jen. You know what I watched on TV and I was really, really surprised and I had to research it. They scientists say that there really isn't an eye color. It's the way the strands of your eyes come together and the light hits it and reflects it that determines the color of your eye. Hmm. It's how the strands connect more than the base learned. color. No, no, <laughs> but that's because you have a lot of strands open. So a lot yeah. of light comes in. So it reflects back that color. So yeah. it made sense because I have hazel eyes. So I was trying to figure out why is certain lighting, my eyes look a different color and, mm. and so on. And I was, I, and I was, I was really surprised and shocked to hear that, but it's a medical study and it's from an optometrist. And I thought, mm. wow, mm. I always thought, you know, it was, it, it's genetic as to how the strands open when they were talking about it. Well, that is almost like white light. All light is white. It's just the way things and moisture reflect off of it, which is snow, rain, rainbows. So as we become more advanced using that theory, as we become more advanced, you think we're just noticing that, that people can do this more? Do you think like there's a select few or do you think maybe we're just noticing more because we're all evolving? That's well, a pretty special ability. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I do think, you know, I think part of the technology too, like especially medical technology, biotechnology. I mean, mm. we're cloning. We're cloning now. We're taking, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. creating duplicates. That's I, not shape shifting, but no boy. I mean, if we're able to do that, is it possible that we could actually be able to change something? Mm -hmm. Else, I mean, I agree. Do you do you, you think know. maybe that's what some people are seeing? Uh, could be. I, I don't know. Already out there, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Government work again? Conspiracies? I don't so, know. I, I no way. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're cloning. They're cloning. I think they've. It's, it's, oh, yeah. You know, they've talked about it. Um, well, you know. they use the the reasoning being for organ harvest and stuff mm -hmm. like that in the beginning, and then they started doing other stuff, mm -hmm. which we don't know anything about. <laughs> which well, is scary. Like even just sort of. I don't want to call it every day, but, mm -hmm. but the, um, medical technology that we read about in the news, nothing spiritual. No, exactly. You know, yeah. Somebody will take some, you know, pig cells mm -hmm. and put it into a mouse or something for, mm -hmm. you know, research. Well, mm -hmm. okay. You just took a pig and put it into a mouse. <laughs> right there. I'm just saying. <laughs> a little strange. I'm with yeah, you on that one, John. Poor mouse. <laughs> I am Poor with mouse. you on that one. Yeah. But isn't that exactly. kind of thing? I mean, if you, if whatever you create from that in a way, I mean, they're not creating new entities, but they might be making some change on a very subatomic level or microscopic level, but it's a change. It's a shift of some kind, right? Absolutely. There we go. I was wondering where that went. I was wondering too. <laughs> we shifted. Somebody's messing with the soundboard. Yeah, we shifted. Yeah, it's because it's, it's that awesome. time. It's that time in the show. Oh, we, we have did. to say thank you. We have to yes. say our right here. and station ID. Yes. 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 You are listening to The Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Pisano coming to you live on 105.3 FM radio from the gorgeous city of New Orleans. Tonight's guest is John Kajuba, and he is here discussing his latest book, Shapeshifters, A History. 
there are 12 books by John Kachuba, and he is an award winner. So please check him out. Tonight, we'd like to, and every night, I'm losing it with this cold. I got to tell you, shout out and thank you to the amazing people at Folgers Coffee for fully sponsoring our show from day one. Thank you for your support and your continuing sponsorship. So make sure that if you are taking a break with us right now, that you're getting yourself a cup and chilling with us tonight. A huge (laughs) thank you for our intro and outro to Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, Justin Snicker, award-winning composer and musician. You can find his music on Amazon and Bandcamp and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. He is dropping pieces of his new albums out right now for Halloween. Stream or listen to our archives on the platform you normally use. And please remember to hit the subscribe and like us two buttons. It's free. It's right. We say it every freaking show. Come on. You're there. The listenership is there, but it's like, really? I know. know. (laughs) Prove it. (laughs) I was going to get I hope I didn't butcher your last name. Can you tell me how to properly say it? You said it exactly right. I always Yay. tell people, just sneeze. <laughs> just sneeze. Just Kachuba. I like it. I like it. It's a fun last name. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like it. I do. And my husband's name is John, so this is this makes it go. easy. <laughs> like I tell you, you live in one of my favorite cities, New Orleans. Man. Oh, you've been? Love that. Oh, yeah, several times. Yeah, Love that I want to go. Yeah. Lots of, um, I think that's where you would find a lot of shapeshifters is in New Orleans. There's a lot of stories of them, um, especially out near the swamplands. So have you, are you able to do any research in New Orleans or the U.S. specifically? Yeah, not, we've been there recently, but boy, I'd like to go. But, you know, there's a, um, there's a community of vampires in New Orleans. There is. They, they call themselves um, sanguinarians, though. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and in Buffalo, New York, of all places, too. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that kind of strikes me. New Orleans, I understand. I, I, yeah. I've met with voodoo queens Buffalo, there is- and everything else. I understand. Right. Way too close for comfort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo, New York. That's, a, that's like. That's close. Behind Michelle's house and about forty-five that's minutes close. away from mine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Also, oh. uh, Kelly says, active in New Mexico. Hi, also. Kelly. Hello, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, out of all the stories, out of all the, the different places where you've researched and all the stories that you've compiled or come across for the book, um, do you have any that are favorites or that just stand out more than others, maybe shake you up a little bit? Well, I don't know about shaking me up a little bit, but I think the one that, uh, I think one that really appeals to me because, you know, keeping in mind that I started with ghosts, you know, for many years, and I'm still doing that too, right. is the whole, the whole idea of Japanese shapeshifters. Oh. Uh, I looked a lot into this and it's, it's fascinating. Their range of shapeshifters, most of their shapeshifters are actually ghosts that shapeshift. That's an unusual twist, yeah. you know? I mean, here in the West, in the Western world, a ghost is a ghost. I mean, you know, it doesn't do anything. Okay, it's a ghost. We got that, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't change anything. But in Japan, most of their ghosts, not not about most, but a lot of their ghosts Mm -hmm. are are shapeshifters. So 
Uh, and frequently they come back to, again, sort of like the skinwalker, to seek revenge on somebody. So mm-hmm. let's say uh, it's, a, it's a woman whose um, husband had an affair or something, and um, the wife finds out about it, and she commits suicide, or the husband kills her, or something like that, but mm-hmm. she dies. Right. So she becomes a ghost, and then she'll come back, and she will shapeshift. Like into maybe the woman that the guy's having an affair with, so then she then in turn can murder her husband. <laughs> wow! So, so it's a revenge brilliant. thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like a Japanese never spend court. a day in court. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So, well, they had those kinds of you know. First of all, the Japanese have we say a ghost is a ghost is a ghost for the most part. Japanese have hundreds of different names for ghosts because they have all these classifications of kind of ghosts. Mm-hmm. But they also have shapeshifters. Again, they're, they're spirits that will shapeshift into weird things. Like, I don't even know what you call it, but it looks like a, looks almost like a mandolin with legs. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? <laughs> it's a mandolin it's like, with legs. Yeah, I don't know. Them, it, has, it has deep meaning and the symbolisms because everything is symbolic. Their, their language, the way they write mm-hmm. everything. But... Japan has some of the best horror flicks. Yeah. If you yeah. don't mind reading your films, they have some some amazing films out there. I love watching them. I'm mm-hmm. glad that you even brought it up because yeah. they're they're just so interesting. Ah, oh, well, the culture because of this. Uh, yeah, the, the, I would say probably because of stories like this. Oh yeah, and it stayed the present generation it's not like ours where they'll go you know like them it stays mm-hmm. with the generation they have these continued beliefs right but they yeah, have some strange things they have this thing yeah. called a, a kappa k-a-p-p-a yes, it looks that. like when you see a drawing of it it almost looks like a kind of a grungy kermit the frog yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's it's a it's a it's a it's an aquatic thing, yeah. an entity of some kind, um, and it had its head has a a slight depression at the mm-hmm. top of the head, like a little bowl. Just that's right. And they have to keep water in it. That's right. That's right. I know. No, that's so far. Yes, that's I mean, crazy. It's it's and these things are you know they they hang out in rivers and streams and all this stuff, and they could either be very good to you and help you out with something. Or they'll kill you and eat you. So mm-hmm. right. you know. I think it depends on on you, the person. Yes, right, right. And, and on what day you meet the kappa? Because Wednesday is kill day, so you want to sell. Don't go near the river on a Wednesday. But, in Japan. but this is just but, an example of the you know the range of of creatures they have that are shapeshifters, uh, and yes. like I said, and a whole bunch of ghosts that are too. It's just. It's a fascinating yeah. culture in terms of paranormal stuff. It is, and they do a lot of ceremonial stuff to protect themselves oh, yeah. from from yeah. ghosts. And they're, I mean, really superstitious. I know when I was selling a house back in the day, um, I had a Japanese friend saying, because the number was like 44. They're like, no, no, evil number. Get rid of the fours. Oh and like, I'd, I'd be rushing into the 44. Yeah. I know, but it was just like, you know, they're, they're, they're very superstitious. And yeah. I think it would take next to nothing. But 
they're really terrified of of mm -hmm. spirits on an average. And I well, mean, look at suicide force in Japan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're terrified of negative energy. Period. Yeah. Right. And it's not just Japan. I mean, this is a lot of Southeast Asia. Yeah. Um, I spent almost two months in Thailand and really got to know the people there. And mm -hmm. almost everybody, almost every single person in Thailand carries with them some kind of a charm. Either they wear an amulet or something around their neck of some kind, or ladies will have it in their purse or something. But I met like, I, I remember sitting down with a college professor and mm -hmm. we talked, I've got a suit on a tie and a jacket and we're talking and I mentioned this stuff about, you know, ghost belief and stuff. And, and mm -hmm. he said, oh yeah, you know, a lot of people believe that. I said, well, you know, you're a college professor. Do you? He unbuttons his shirt and he pulls out an amulet. Says, There's my charm. I mean, wow. yeah. you know, and it's just, and the spirit houses in Thailand, um, mm -hmm. oh, ghosts yes. in front of yes. every building, um, yes. because you have to keep that spirit. It, um, Appeased. I forgot what it's called. Um, not a Jedi. Well, it doesn't matter. I forgot what it's called. But there's the spirit in the house. You have to keep that spirit in good shape. So you feed it, you pray to it, you give it incense, food every day mm -hmm. in order to protect your house. Because and, that, and that's a term, isn't it? Feed the ghost. That they, yeah, exactly. They, right. Yeah. Well, you have the Hungry Ghost Festival. Yes, that's that right. In all of Southeast Asia. Yes. It's definitely feeding them, you know. Yes. See, and all over the world, they have offerings to the spirit world yeah. in the same kind of way. Right. And mm -hmm. they also, if you look at other countries, like Turkey has the, the Eye of Horus. They, they have a very strong belief system with that. So does Greece. And Italy has the horn. It has the, the uh, pepper. Yeah, it, they everybody and the and then the they have the eye of Horus, but of course in Italy it's eighteen karat gold. Go figure. But anyways, they always have to make something a little bit mm. different and fashionable. I'm making fun of my own culture, so please no email. <laughs> um, yeah, I just find it it's hard to dispute that and and say that this is lore, this is fake when you see it all over the world. It starts somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. It starts somewhere. Um, all I mean, I'm in. I've been in the paranormal field a couple of decades myself, so I completely understand, you know, where you're coming from. I I, I do have to commend you for stepping out of the paranormal box, though, in writing this book because it's it. There's not a lot of literature out there based on this. Like I don't think a lot of people have written about shapeshifters aside from maybe specific ones like skinwalkers or right. you know windigos or actual you know beings themselves but you've actually gone out and really tried to um I mean obviously go back as far as you could but all the similarities is like I agree with Amelia's you can't just discount something that you know, all these cultures are having their own share of experiences, like anything else, right? That's supernatural, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's what's kind of saying when, it, when it's ubiquitous, when you find it in every culture. I mean, you know, the character itself might be different, but the basic idea is there. Oh, like mm -hmm. the lady in white, right? Transformation. Yeah. It's in every culture. So, I mean, what, yeah. you know, what is that saying to us? I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. there's something underlying all that. Mm -hmm. There's a witch in every culture. There's a lady in white in every culture. You know, there's some type of genie. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. 
My Sicilian I, I grandmother was a, a molybdomancer. Do you know what a molybdomancer is? She got rid of the. She got rid of the thing. Malokia. Well, well, she. Uh, well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. She was a fortune teller, by yeah. by using um, melting lead, molten lead dropped into uh, cold water. And it would take yeah, a shape that's and, a Sicilian thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so she'd read a fortune. You know, uh, you know, what's my? I'm going to have a child. Is it going to be a boy or a girl? Well, let me drop this in the water and see. <laughs> It'll be a boy. <laughs> nice yeah. and easy. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> They take your jewelry and they do it too, like a pendulum. But they'll take your necklace and they'll they'll yeah. know. And they 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 play with it that way. And if it goes left, it's a boy. If it goes right, it's a girl or whatever. I don't know because I've never done it, but I've had that done to me. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they use your your jewelry instead of a pendulum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, hold on, right here. So I'm gonna slow on the uptake. Uh, Tamara. Tamara. I don't even know how to pronounce Gumiho? that. Gum Gumiho? Gumiho? Oh, it looks like an L with these glasses. Okay. It's another fox that can be male or female that turns human. Is this wow. out of Japan don't also, Tamara? I don't know. Must be, because she just wrote that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's because that's what she had written here. Foxes shape shift usually into women in Japan. Yeah. Yep. So there's a, there's a kitsune, they call it, which is a fox, and frequently it's a seven-tailed fox. Yes. And they have a whole history about how they live. And they are big shapeshifters. They're not unlike sort of, um, they're sort of like trickster characters, kind of like Coyote right. here among the you know native right. uh, people have it. But yeah, um, I haven't heard that name specifically that she mentioned, but yeah, she says maybe that's the name of one Japan. of them or something. Right. It's called Kitsune, yeah. So animals can are definitely more than capable of, yeah. of shapeshifting, not yeah. just people per se. Well, they have, there's another one in Japan called uh, a tanuki. And when you look at it, it looks sort of like um, kind of a cross between a dog and a raccoon. It's got like a big furry tail that's striped, but the mm. body looks sort of dog. It, it turns out that there actually is um, a dog in Japan that, you know, is a takuni, and that's how it looks. Uh -huh. But in the lore, they're shapeshifters. I don't know what they think about when they see a real one, if they think it's a shapeshifter. Maybe they do. I don't know. Right. Wow. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's so interesting. It sounds sort of cute and fuzzy to me. Like I can't. Yeah, no, it does. Well, yeah, when you see it, I mean, yeah. it's a cute, fuzzy little thing. And in fact, uh, frequently you'll see like they're, they're good luck and everything else too. So yeah. uh, you might see a little statue of one outside a Japanese restaurant. And like if right. you rub his belly or something, it's good luck. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, they're they're they don't seem to be terrifying like on this side of the world. <laughs> it's yeah. on this it's on the signs for a, for a well, sushi restaurant of, nearby. Yeah, that's kind of the point I was trying to make was that you know when we think of shapeshifters here in America and maybe Western world generally, mm -hmm. I think we tend to think of them as always being evil, yes. and monsters and killers and all, which is mm -hmm. not necessarily the case. Right. Um, I mean, throughout the world, shapeshifters, other shapeshifters are beneficial. They help people. They're not mm -hmm. always, you know, beasts and monsters, but, but we like yeah. monsters, you know. <laughs> well, well they, they, they're a little more intriguing yeah. <laughs> than, they, you know, the ones that have pet bunnies and stuff. We certainly do, for sure. But I, I guess we can go back to, um, like, wizards. 
you know, there's a lot of history or stories about Merlin the Magician, for example, who was said to be able to shapeshift. And, but I'm, I mean, apparently he existed. There's allegedly proof that he existed. So, again, were we looking at illusion? And it only comes to mind because we were talking about skinwalkers and how shaman and witches are the ones who can allegedly do this. So again, when you're sitting there doing mushrooms and so on, it makes you wonder, like, are you feeding everybody else the mushrooms and do they really think you can do it? Or, you know, are these things really happening? And that goes back, like, you know, back to like, medieval times. And, you know, he was a master of his craft. See? Not so cute and fuzzy, though. So. Right. Well, I like, if you read the, you know, you read the Arthurian legends and Merlin does this great deal of, you know, he changes Uther the yeah. Dragon yeah. into the husband of Lady Agraine, and next thing you know, there's Arthur. Right. Mm -hmm. so, that's I mean, it's a pretty good thing, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, he, he was, there's many stories of him shape-shifting, and uh, right. it's just one more piece of lore that is very intriguing. So, I don't know. I, I think this was, I really enjoyed this, this conversation. Like I said, you're the only person literally who I have seen to date that has actually written about this and researched it. And um, I'm hoping that, you know, hoping you, you'll do more crazy things. <laughs> Seriously, people are like, wow, this is great. It's like, right? I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're slowly inching, you know, towards um, our, our quitting time. Uh, let everybody know where they can buy this book, your other books. What do you have coming sure. up? Are you writing something else? Just yeah. promote yourself. Well, I, I appreciate the fact that your little crawler in the bottom there has been putting my website out. And, you <laughs> yes. know, that is, that is one place where you can buy all my books, obviously, through the website. But you should be able to get them for the most part in, you know, probably most bookstores, maybe independents more or whatever. Um, you can get them on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Walmart.com, any any of the online brokers right. you know, have it as well too. So they shouldn't be hard to get. Okay. Um, I'm I don't know what I'm going to be. I'm working on right now a trilogy, which is more. Uh, it's not nonfiction. It's fiction. It's more a fantasy, paranormal kind of trilogy. Oh, very nice. I have a a book coming out next year which I'm really excited about because it's for middle grade readers. Okay. Uh, oh, that's wow. nice. Yeah. That's it's nice. Like, like, like aged maybe 10 to 13. Yeah. So oh, lovely. It's, that's uh, excellent. It's a ghost story. Uh, oh. And it's based on a real location. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, I've got, I've got 11 grandkids. So I want them to read something, you know. Oh, <laughs> so, that's beautiful. <laughs> Very but that, nice. you know, it's it's uh, it's new for me because like I say it's a whole new audience for me. You know, right. it's it's not an audience that has had enough of that. I mm -hmm. I think it's right. fascinating that you're doing that, and it's such it's such a beautiful thing for your grandkids as well. You yeah, know, I, we haven't had anybody or anything since Scooby Doo. Really, <laughs> think about it. There really hasn't been anything. Scooby Doo, the the Hardy Boys were crime investigators. Nancy Drew did a little bit, but. But this generation coming up right now doesn't have much of, of anything. Yeah, yeah. And they need to be scared. You know, we <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's a beautiful way to nurture their imagination and help them grow. Yeah. I yeah. Scare them. 
and yes. scare them. Well, <laughs> it depends, right? <laughs> well, John, thank you so much um, for joining us. It really was a pleasure. And I do apologize that it took so long. Blame social media, because honestly, somewhere out of the blue, up you came. I'm like, what? <laughs> so. Well, that's, that happens. And, and thank you both, ladies. It's, uh, no. It was a great time. I had a good time here, too. And uh, yeah, better late than never, I guess, right? I, oh, my um, gosh. Perfect absolutely. timing. We're going to keep. Yes, it, it is. Thank we're you. in spooky month. Thank you so much. And we're going to keep an eye on you. So All right. We have an open door policy, so you let us right, know. Well, you know where I am. I might shape shift next time, though. So that okay. would be so cool. We're, we're, we're here. expecting that too. So. <laughs> yeah, well, happy Halloween, anyway. So. Happy Halloween well. to you too. Let us know when that book comes out. I will definitely. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. Yeah, Good night. night. Well. We that was a fantastic show. My gosh, I was really serious about that. We have not, I, I certainly have never seen anybody research uh shapeshifters to, to this degree. Um, and who knew that there was actually documentation, you know, even if it is on the cave wall, somebody had to put it there. That is pretty amazing, and that's going way back but wow it was great just a pleasure to have him on and thank you very much john for sharing your story with us and thank you to folgers and thank you to justin snicker dr snick and thanks to all of you guys in chat room you make it a lot more fun and we love to include you in the show you make it that much more fun the guests enjoy it we enjoy it so thank you again please no matter where you're watching the show tonight please show us some support subscribe follow like join whatever the case may be we really appreciate you for it if you're looking to contact us please do so via email the outer realm contact at gmail.com the outer realm contact at gmail.com or just go to the outer realm Facebook page, click email us. Yes, that's new. And uh, it'll come right to us tomorrow night. We welcome back Mark Ollie all the way from the UK. You guys loved him the last time to the point where he's booked at least four or five more times throughout mm -hmm. 2023. And tomorrow night, he's going to be keeping with the whole crazy spooky month he's going to be talking about wizards and witches and vampires and everything that goes bump in the night so make sure you guys tune in and uh we will we will see you all tomorrow so behave hopefully we're feeling better but if not we're champions we'll be here to give you some darn good entertainment take care guys good night <laughs>